You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. Well, good morning. Man, I cannot watch that without getting goosebumps. All right, I know that was only two minutes long, but that captured 40 years of my life. How many already have their tickets uh, for episode nine? There's a couple of us. How many have never seen Star Wars and don't care a thing about it? You can raise your hands too. All right, I knew this service. I knew the haters were out there. I could feel the vibe as I was walking onto the stage. Began in 1977, my dad took me to my very first movie as a six-year-old son. We went to Des Moines, Iowa to the Fleur Theater, and I watched my first movie, like Star Wars, and it changed my life. And here's, here's some pictures of uh, Star Wars throughout our family. Here, This is a young pastor, Joel, and my younger brother, Daniel. This is probably from Christmas 1981, because uh, there's some uh, Empire Strikes Back, the second movie. Uh, those, those toys are from that. And please, please forgive the Dallas Cowboys pajamas. That, that was before I had reached the age of accountability where I was responsible for my decisions. So I know you can forgive me. Then, you know, I grow up and here's my two boys, Jacob born in 98, Samuel in 2000, you know, learning their young Jedi skills growing up in our family. And now uh, as I age and my, my boys are young men and my daughter, young lady, still catching the Star Wars movies. You already have our ticket to the first showing at the Marcus Theater. And uh, we are super, super excited. And today, um, as we kick off our you know, Christmas at the movies, next week's Home Alone, then we've got Elf and Frozen. But today, we want to uh, award a family with some uh, a movie ticket package. So here's how it's going to work. If you have on your phone a family photo, a picture of your kids or grandkids with any Star Wars theme to it, you've got a child dressed up uh, for Halloween or Christmas toys, or maybe you were at the movies that released in 15 or in 17. They both came out late December of those two years. And you took a photo, and you've got a Star Wars-themed photo on your phone. I'm wanting you to email that to Pastor Kenny. So khackbarth at 1agbn.org. Send him that email. And at the end of service... Pastor Kenny will come up, show your picture on the screen, and the first family that sends that. And Now, if you were here first service and you had a head start, that is just using that to your advantage, is what I would say. So getting some free tickets, and uh, we want to bless you with that. So email to Kenny Hackbarth, and the first picture that he receives today will get the movie package. Everyone give it up for Pastor Kenny. I'm sure he's coming. He's somewhere, maybe off stage. There he is. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. We, we take church very seriously here, as you can tell. Now, we love to have fun here, especially during the holidays. And I want to give you an update of last week's giving. So Hero Maker, how many of you remember our Hero Maker series? Wasn't that awesome? And we concluded that series uh, with a large opportunity to give. And I want to share with you what we were able to do together. $2,400 was raised to give towards Asia Pacific Media to train young people in Southeast Asia. Okay, how cool is that? And each of you were a part of making that happen. And I just want to personally thank you for being a part of that. And uh, as our ushers come forward, I want to share with you a great proverb found in Proverbs 11, verse 24. It says, One gives freely, yet only grows richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And here's the basic principle that we can see in this scripture. Number one, God blesses us when we are generous. And God is going to bless each one of you as we've given throughout these past few weeks and what you do throughout this Christmas season as you seek to bless other people. God is going to bless you. But the second thing is God withholds blessing from us when we are greedy. And what that means is it's really a position of our heart, the way that we see money and resources and everything that we have. The truth is all of it belongs to God. Amen. 
So here's the one takeaway that I have for us. We should faithfully obey the leading of Pastor Joel. No, me? No, the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to give. One of the opportunities that we have is the tree out there, the Colleen Hughes Giving Tree. There are kids who can't afford to have gifts for Christmas, and we as a church are going to help bless them. So I want to encourage you today, grab one of the tags on that tree and get a gift and bring it back uh, by December 15th. And one note on that, make sure you don't wrap the gift, okay? It actually makes it a little more difficult for us. So bring the gift back unwrapped. I know some of you are sad because your favorite part of Christmas is wrapping, Rod Bray. Um, But hey, please don't. So we appreciate you guys. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning and what you're doing here at First Assembly. And we just ask that you would bless us, God, as we bless others, Lord, that we would see our lives as yours and that we would look for opportunities everywhere we go to bless people, that we wouldn't overlook opportunities, even opportunities that maybe seem small. As we go out into the lobby later today and maybe we see somebody that looks down, I pray, God, that we'd be people of encouragement and that we would offer to them life-giving words, God. We pray all this in your great name. Amen. Good morning and welcome to First Assembly. Unite Winter Retreat is coming up and today is the last day of the special flash sale. Winter Retreat is $125 and is February 27th to March 1st in Carlinville. This weekend is designed specifically for our Unite students and their friends who are in the 6th to 12th grade to grow greatly in their relationship with God and friends. This is the perfect gift to give to your student or to purchase as a scholarship. To sign up, go to Forms on our app or website. This year, we are again partnering with Colin Hoos Elementary School to help stock their family pantry with basic items that are needed throughout the school year. Starting today, please take a tag from the Christmas tree located in the lobby and return the unwrapped items back under the tree before Sunday, December 15th. Thank you for your generosity in helping families at Colleen Hoos School. Also, today is the first week of Christmas at the Movies. Each week there will be fun surprises that are exciting for the whole family, so invite someone next week because no one wants to be home alone during this holiday season. Also, join us for one of the first assembly Christmas services on either Saturday the 14th or Sunday the 15th. To find out more about these services, times, and details, check out our Facebook event. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the service. Well, good morning again. I want to highlight um, a specific weekend in late January of next year. It's going to be an important series of services marking our spiritual renewal weekend. It'll follow a time of prayer and fasting that we'll talk about later in January. But uh, we'll be introduced to uh, this evangelist named Will Jones. He'll be with us both services Sunday morning on January 26th. He'll be with us again Sunday night and then Monday night the 27th. So if you've already uh, purchased your little pocket calendar for next year, or if you put those dates on your phone or in a mobile device, please mark those dates down. Sunday morning, the 26th through Monday night, the 27th. There'll be a powerful time of uh, kicking off our new year together. Also want to introduce to you uh, Mandy and Odulio Rios. Um, Odulio today will be named as our Spanish ministry pastor. I'm going to invite him and his wife to the platform. Can we all stand together? Let's give them a round of applause. We're going to stand together and uh, at IC in our Spanish service and our Spanish congregation will be installing them today as our Spanish ministry pastors. They've been a part of our church uh, for a little more than four years. Uh, they now have their local church credential at the Assemblies of God, and in January, um, Odulio will be beginning the Illinois School of Ministry to continue his ministry uh, training 
and education, and we're very thankful that God brought you to us in your years of service at IC as the Spanish ministry directors, and uh, the church is nine years old, great past, great foundation, and a great future, and we're very, very excited. So will you stretch out a hand? We just want to briefly pray uh, for our friends Odulio and Mandy and their, their fun young son, Javier. So God, we are so grateful to you for sending Odulio and Mandy and their son, uh, Javier, to our church family. Jesus, we're thankful for their years of ministry service within the church, how they've volunteered and how they've grown, how they've matured, how we've seen gifts of preaching, gifts of leadership, God being used um, through them as they've worked and labored in the church. And God, it is a great joy for us to set them apart today as our next pastors at IC. And I pray, Jesus, you would abundantly bless, empower them with your spirit. God, may he preach boldly. God, may he preach your word faithfully. And Jesus, I pray for a spirit of unity, a spirit of excitement, and a a spirit to reach uh, the Spanish community Uh, in Bloomington Normal, in Jesus' name. Can we shout amen together? Amen. Amen. We love you, Mandy and Odulio. Javier, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Today we uh, kick off our uh, Christmas at the movies with a movie that's very dear to my heart, the Star Wars series. This December will mark the end of 40 plus years of this being, you know, a story in our culture. It was 1977 when my dad bought the ticket for me, and one of the things I'm very much looking forward to in 2020 is my drive back to Iowa. I will take dad, I will buy the ticket, and I'll mark the end of our 40 years together as a family with the Star Wars saga. Now, some of you I know have no clue what this movie's about and are thinking, oh, good grief, what are we going to talk about today? The theme in Star Wars, as we distill it down, is a powerful one, and the Word of God speaks to it so clearly and so directly. So if you're new to the Star Wars story, let me capture 40 years in about four minutes. So if uh, let me just try to summarize what this is like. So 1977, you meet the first member of the Skywalker family, and the Star Wars saga is basically about the struggle of one family, the Skywalker family. And this is Luke Skywalker, kind of whiny, irritating, orphan teenager on a planet that is basically on the edge of nowhere. And we meet Luke in 1977, and he becomes, you know, trained to be a, a hero in the Star Wars saga called a Jedi. And so we watch him being mentored and grow up and go through conflict and learn and grow. And in the second movie, In the early 80s, 1981, we find out the startling truth that Luke, the guy we all love and are watching him grow, and as he fights the big bad guy, Darth Vader, we find out that Vader is his father. I remember as a young kid, I mean, this is before the internet leaks. This is long before, you know, spoiler alert. You know, as a young, you know, 10, 11-year-old kid watching this on the big screen that moment, like, Luke, I am your father. I'm like, no! Just devastated and crushed. And so we watch Luke and this conflict with his now evil father. And Luke's mentor explains that Vader, the, the villain, is more machine than man. Just years of anger and bitterness and hurt have literally crumpled his heart to his cold and hard and violent. And so in the third movie, we know the great climax is coming. Can Luke muster the nerve to face his father and rid the galaxy of the evil Darth Vader? But behind the scenes is the emperor, right? Who's the real bad guy? Not yet. You're one slide too soon. Hold on. Go back. Go back one more slide, back to Luke and Vader. Good, thank you. So we're there, and in the last movie of the original three, the big confrontation, where Luke is forced to choose to kill kill his own father, and he, of course, extinguishes his lightsaber and says he won't do it. And in that moment, the tension builds, and the evil father finally has his redemption, finally has his moment where he saves his son's life by killing, at least we thought we, he had killed, the evil emperor who's kind of the arch, 
the arch-villain behind the whole story. That's the first three movies. Then they made another three movies beginning in 1999 that came later, but actually tell the story before. And if you're confused, that's okay. So was half of America. But the, the first three movies which were made later tell the story of how Darth Vader came to be. Who is this evil villain father? And we find out that he starts out as a young little boy named Anakin, a child of a single mom who was a slave. So he's a slave. And we watch the story over the next three movies of how this little, innocent, fearful, hurt child, and you can see the shadowy figure of Darth Vader being cast there. How does this little boy end up as Darth Vader? So that's the other three movies. It's one family. Anakin grows up to be Vader. He has a son named Luke. Luke then, in the next three movies, is responsible for training the next generation. And his nephew, next slide, is actually a guy named Ben Solo who becomes one of the key villains in this young lady, Ray Train. And it's this conflict. So here it all is. Here's the 40-year saga summed up. It's a big, long space story about daddy issues. It's basically what it comes down to. And at its core is this. How will the key players handle pain? Their hurts, their fears, their isolation, their abandonment, their anger, their rage, the tension. Will they heal those issues, or will those issues consume them and drive them? Will they become more and more light, more and more peaceful, more and more controlled, or will they become more and more a person of rage and anger as they work through the hurts and the issues in their life? There's a key moment when the young boy, we showed the picture there, young Anakin, the young child who will later become Darth Vader, He's standing before the Jedi Council, the team of heroes, so to speak, and he's being interviewed by them. And they question this young boy about something in particular. Yoda's going to ask him, afraid are you? And Anakin says, no, sir, I'm not. And they say, well, we can see through you. We know what's going on in your emotions. And Yoda has a powerful quote that sets the course of the entire Star Wars saga. Let's watch this scene. Hmm. How feel you? Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you? We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Afraid to lose her, I think. Hmm? What does that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. That's a theme that is carried on through all eight movies, and I'm sure will be there in the ninth. Yoda says this, and here is the quote, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to, let's say it, fear leads to, and anger leads to, and hate leads to. It's the downward spiral of some seeds of hurt that were planted inside Anakin. And Anakin had good reason to be afraid, good reason to be heard. He was the son of a single mom who was a slave, spent his childhood as a slave. And then as a teenager, or as a, actually as a young boy, the first male figure who was a mentor in his life is killed and taken from him. Loss, abandonment. As a young teenager, he comes back to rescue his mom from slavery and finds out that she'd been abducted and abused and beaten and Anakin gets there just in time, he thinks, to save his poor mom's life and she literally dies in his arms, a victim of abuse and torture. 
and this pain and this fear and these losses mount in young Anakin. And how he deals with these seeds of pain leads him to become an angry, embittered, crumpled machine of a man who becomes one of the primary villains of the story. The key point for us is simply this. When seeds of fear, when seeds of trauma and pain are planted in our lives, they always grow. The seeds of fear, pain, and trauma, when planted in our life, always grow. And we only have two options, to have them uprooted from us or they will upend our life. They must be redeemed or they will be repeated. And the Star Wars saga is essentially that tension. Will these pains, will these fears, will Anakin, Luke, and Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, the other Skywalker, will they deal with their pain and hurt through redemption or will it be repeated as anger and vengeance and additional pain? Behind the scenes, they're not really main characters, key characters though. There's really two figures that are casting their long shadow over the whole story. The key counselor for redemption, the key counselor for healing is a short little green guy named Yoda. I'm wearing a t-shirt with Yoda. And in the background, kind of the side note is the lead villain, the emperor, both providing counsel to this family on what to do with their hurt and trauma and pain. They are the two key counselors. And we thought they had both died early in the saga, but we're finding out they live on. One is a ghost and one we're going to find out in this last movie, how Emperor Palpatine is still working his evil. Here's the key thing. In our lives, there are critical points where we need counsel, where we need someone outside of us to speak into our life and how to deal with life's pain, trauma, and hurt. Because if it is not uprooted, it will upend our life. If it's not redeemed, it will be repeated. And the sins of the father land on the back of the son and sin and pain and trauma continue. Most people, most people simply react in the situation they are in without truly recognizing what counsel they're following. Most people are simply making decisions in each moment, at each crisis, at each opportunity, door one, door two, speak this, speak that, act this way, act that way, without recognizing the counsel that governs their life. One of the great Christmas verses in scripture comes from Isaiah chapter nine. We're gonna look at it all four weeks of this series, each one of these four Christmas movies that we think about point back to the promise of Jesus. Isaiah was written about 800, 750 years before Jesus was born, chock full of specific prophecies about what Jesus would do, where he would be born, what he would be like, what he would say, how he would die. In fact, so specific, so precise that up until like the 1940s, many scholars scoffed at Isaiah, said it can't have been written that long before Jesus was born. They could not have predicted that. Then in the 40s, of course, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered that were dated back long before Jesus was born. And the eyes of the world were open like, wow, Isaiah really said what Isaiah said. Isaiah was a prophet who spoke to the people of God when God's people were between, between a rock and a hard place. They were in a time of trauma, a time of pain, a time of fear. In the north, the great nation of Assyria, the up and coming powerhouse of the geopolitical day, they were an army and nation hungry for territory, hungry for people, enslaving people group after people group. To the south, Egypt, the historical power 
uh, on the world stage. And in between these two, northern Assyria coming south to face Egypt, and to the south, Egypt coming north to face Assyria, guess who's there? The people of God. Have you ever felt like you're between a rock and a hard place? Between two bad options? Stuck in a situation where you needed desperately to know, how do I get out of this? How do I move forward? Where do I go for counsel and help? That's when Isaiah was written. Because the people of God were afraid and they didn't know to whom to turn. And Isaiah is essentially one long prophetic book that says, turn your attention to God. In chapter nine, we read this. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, all authority will be upon him. And his name shall be called, let's say these words together, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, God, Everlasting, Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Say those two words, Wonderful Counselor. Ready? Two simple words. One is a noun, and one's an adjective. The noun is who Jesus is, what he does. It describes him personally. A counselor. One who gives a plan. One who says, this is the way you should go. This is the path you must take. This is the plan that if you follow it, it will go well for you. Jesus is a counselor. The other word is an adjective. It describes the way in which his counsel is given, the way in which he counsels, and it's described as wonderful. Jesus is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. In times of fear, trauma, when you're between, between a rock and a hard place, when the seeds of those traumas and anguish and fear come rising up with, from within you, where do you go for counsel? Two fears. I would say looking back at my, I was going to say short 48 years, but it seems longer and longer. Looking back at my 48 years, probably two fears have been the toughest to face. Fear of failure and fear of loss. Fear of failure and fear of loss. When you're raised in the Midwest in a farmer's home when getting an A really, really matters, getting the job done, done right, done quickly, really, really, really matters, when a good job is like the family hug, right? Fear of failure can drive you. When you face critical illness and people that are the closest to you, there's a fear of loss, loss way too soon, a loss you don't want to walk through. And as I've reflected, you know what's interesting to me? Those two fears seem to have collided in my life twice at the same time. My greatest fears of failure mirror the times when I was in my seasons of fear of loss. It's those moments of fear of loss that my fears of failure were the strongest and these two come weighing down like a ton of rocks upon your shoulders. We all have fear. We all have pain. There's moments of anguish for all of us. How do we deal with these seeds when they land in our life? To whom do we go for counsel? This is true for all of us. Maybe it's a fear of abandonment, a father or a spouse that is left, fear of repeated pain. Oh no, God, don't let this happen again. Walking with PTSD, always floating in our psyche and in our mind. A fear of rejection or ridicule, maybe mocked as a child, hurt. And now every time there's a little snide comment 
or a little hurtful gesture, you overreact and people back away and your friendships shrink and shrink and soon you're in a very small little isolated world because of that insecurity. Maybe it comes out as anger where you attack others. You unleash verbal attacks on people that you care about the most. Maybe it's not anger, maybe it's depression and you turn inward and you dissolve and you shrink. See, these unhealed, unredeemed, unuprooted pains and fears, if they're not dealt with, it'll come out as attacking others in anger or attacking yourself in depression. But it will always and forever grow. You need a wonderful counselor. You need to go to someone who has the plan forward. And that wonderful counselor is who we celebrate every Christmas. That wonderful counselor is the reason for the season. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Jesus gives counsel. In other words, he has a plan. He has a way forward. Jesus' counsel is always counterculture. It'll look different than what the nations say. It'll be different than what most of the population says or society thinks. Jesus' counsel will stand forever, eternally true. And Jesus' counsel always blesses us. Here's what the word of God says, Psalm 33. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He adds up all the wisdom of the world and the sum of all of it is zero. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to zero. He frustrates the plans of the peoples, but it's the counsel of the Lord that stands forever. The plans of his heart continue to all generations. Proverbs 19, listen to the advice Accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose. It's the same word. It is the counsel, the plan of the Lord that will remain standing. Psalm chapter one, the first Psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He becomes a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers, but the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. To whom do you go for counsel. To whom do you sit and speak to make the decisions for your life? When the moment of the rock and the hard place happen, when the argument is growing, when the fear is rising up, when the tension is felt in your neck and you feel that coming out, to whom do you go to tell you the path forward? Jesus is the counselor. Here, Psalm 32. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule that has no understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Some of you are here today and you stand in need of good counsel. Maybe you're facing a decision between A and B and C. Maybe you've experienced a challenge and you thought door A was right and now you're three steps through the threshold and it seems to be going wrong. You know, what do I do, God? Maybe for you, it's not a mere decision where you need wisdom right now. Maybe for you, honestly, if you stop and evaluate your life, you realize it's the things in my past that are driving my future. Much like Anakin, it's the hurt, it's the loss, it's the abandonment that has grown into either anger or depression. 
It's made you grow in your insecurity that the conversation that matters most in your mind is you and someone who's hurt you. It's you and someone who's putting you down. And that conversation going on in your head is not a conversation led by a wonderful counselor. You need to go to Jesus to be your counsel. He says, I will instruct you and teach you. In the New Living Translation, it says, I will guide you and advise you day by day, step by step, walking right there with you. When's the last time you began your morning with a good, solid time of Jesus and his word? When is the last time you said, Jesus, here's the one place in my life where I need counsel? Here's the one part of my soul that is driving me that needs to be healed. I need counsel from you. Jesus said, I'll teach you and instruct you in the way that you should go. Jesus didn't say, come, read this book. Jesus didn't say, come, do these 10 steps. He said, come and follow me. Are you following Jesus step by step in the course of your life? Jesus said, I'll instruct you and teach you, and my eye will always be upon you. Parents, remember when your kids were little, you'd take them shopping, maybe go to Walmart or Target, and they, they had those little kitty carts. Remember that? And your, your young daughter or your young son would push the little cart through the grocery store, specifically so when you got to the grocery, like the, the cereal aisle, they'd pick all the cereal they wanted off those low shelves. You know what I'm talking about? Right, you're walking through the store and you're leading the way, but your eye is never far from them, is it? Always looking over your shoulder, always checking back to make sure they're right there. God does that for us. Like a parent, driving the car with their son or daughter, just a few car lengths behind, always checking the rearview mirror. Are they doing okay? Are they right on track? Are they with me? Now my boys are headed to Evangel, heading back to Springfield today. I'll be checking on my phone. I'll be following them on the app, making sure they're not speedy, making sure they're going down the right path. My eyes are never off of them. So it is with the Lord, with you, his son, with you, his daughter, giving you guidance and instruction step by step. So don't be like a horse or a mule who will veer one way or veer the other, but learn to trust in the Lord's guidance because he's a counselor. Why would anyone want to veer off the path? Why would anyone need a bit or a bridle to yank them back on track? Well, after so many years of reflecting on my own life and leading people in ministry, here's what I've come to know. That the more hurt a person is, the more afraid they are, the harder it is for them to trust Jesus. When there's these pains like young Anakin in the Star Wars saga or Ben Solo in the saga, the more pain that is there, the more rejection they've dealt with, the harder it is for them to trust the counsel of Jesus. Harder to open up their life, harder to say yes. If I open up to Jesus, there might be just too much risk. You ever wonder why Jesus is called the wonderful counselor? There are a lot of other adjectives. Jesus is the perfect counselor. Jesus is the truthful counselor. Jesus is the eternal counselor. Jesus is the right counselor. And all of those are true. Why wonderful? Because people who usually stand in the greatest need of Jesus' counsel are those who are often the most afraid to trust it. And Jesus wants you to know he's just flat wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. In Matthew chapter 12 and in Isaiah 42, so about 750 years before Jesus was born, and a contemporary, one of the disciples of Jesus, the disciple named Levi or Matthew, they watched Jesus' life and they discovered that he was not only right, but he was wonderful. 
Have you ever met someone who was right but not wonderful? Have you ever met someone who was right in all the worst sort of ways? Man, that, that was much less response than I thought. Maybe you haven't met them. I could probably introduce you to some people that are right in all the worst ways. Do you know what I'm talking about? Jesus is right in all the wonderful ways. Matthew, watching Jesus' ministry, says this. He quotes Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. In other words, he's not threatening. He's not obnoxious. He's not loud. He's not difficult to approach. He's not too big, too strong, too dominant. No, a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not snuff out. He will faithfully bring forth justice. In other words, he will faithfully make right all the things that are wrong in our life, in our families, and in this world. Jesus is both wise with his counsel and wonderful in his approach. Why would Matthew point this out? If you read Matthew chapter 11 and 12, where he quotes Isaiah 42, you'll see why. Jesus in those chapters is calling out to people, come, all you who are weary, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you know what? Those people came to Jesus. And in chapter 12, one of those people comes to Jesus. He has a withered hand, and he goes into the synagogue, which probably if they knew he had a withered hand, they would have kicked him out. And he's there at the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and Jesus says, can I heal this person or not? And the religious people said, you better not heal him. That would be work. And Jesus heals him anyway. Why? Because he's wonderful. Later on, Jesus goes on in chapter 12 to condemn religion in some of his harshest terms in the Gospels. Why? As Matthew is watching this, he sees the religious institution and he sees Jesus and he recognizes that all the right counsel of religion isn't all that wonderful. But Jesus has the right counsel and he's wonderful. Sometimes religion can hurt those who are already hurting the most. Sometimes religion can weaken those who are already the most weak. Sometimes we can puff ourselves up and have an attitude of superiority and look at the bruised reed, look at the barely flickering candle and say, how could you be so weak? How could you be so wounded? How could you not know? And we snuff out the candle and we break off the reed. That may be right, but it is wrong. You may have right counsel, but not a wonderful spirit. Jesus is the epitome of counsel that is wonderful. Today, if there are seeds of hurt, abandonment, trauma that makes you afraid to follow Jesus, you've probably just run into too many religious people and not enough Jesus people because Jesus people are wonderful. Jesus people don't snap off the wounded reed and don't blow out the barely lit candle. You understand those two metaphors? The reed along the riverbank, growing up straight, secure, solid, a work of beautiful creation. And then along comes someone who isn't paying attention, someone bigger, someone stronger that snaps that reed, knocks it down. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time, wounded and bruised and broken. Now that reed droops, hopeless, no good. It's going to die. Might as well uproot it and throw it away. And Jesus said, no, every bruised reed I find, I don't break it. I mend it and I heal it. The flickering little wick on a candle that one more gust of wind will extinguish your faith. One more blow, one more breeze comes into your life and you're done. 
Maybe religion would say, how dare you be so weak? How could you make such foolish choices? You've dug your own grave. You've made your own bed. Now sleep in it. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, puts his arms around you, blankets you, shelters you, and lets your flame grow again. The saga of Star Wars is really about the challenge of the two counselors. Each of us in our lives need to know a wonderful counselor. That's what Christmas is really all about, knowing our wonderful counselor. Are you that bruised reed? Are you that faintly burning wick today that feels like life has bruised me, I'm now damaged goods? The divorce damaged me. The abandonment hurt me. The neglect, the words, the pain, my financial disaster. It's over. I'm a bruised reed. Snap me off. Blow out the candle. I am merely baggage to God. That's not true. You are chosen as a son and as a daughter. God can uproot those things, redeem those things, and set you with his counsel on a path toward blessing. God has a counsel, has a plan, and a purpose to bless you. Trust him today. He is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. Are you seeking counsel, perhaps, from all the wrong places? Most people I have found make decision after decision just in that moment, just with what is convenient. What's the quickest way to avoid this pain? What's the easiest way to solve this problem without taking time to sit at Jesus' feet and receive his counsel? Maybe young man, young woman, you're applying for colleges and you're going, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? You know what? Your course of life will not be determined by an acceptance or a denial letter. Go before the feet of Jesus. Lay your life down and trust his counsel to lead your life. Parents, raising teenagers, maybe you're at a critical point needing wisdom. What is the best way to parent for this season of our child's life? How do we best find instruction? I need wisdom. Go to God. Do not instruct your kids until you've been instructed by a wonderful counselor. Maybe there's some deeply rooted stuff in you today and you're doing your best to hold relationships together keep your relationship with God, and you've not yet said, wonderful counselor, I invite you to take this stuff and lead me out of it, to uproot it and to redeem it. This morning as we kick off the Christmas season, this 1st of December, 2019, I believe there's some of you that need to have a conversation with a wonderful counselor. A counselor who does not crush the bruised reed, who does not blow out the faintly lit candle, but says, come to me, all you are weary and are heavy laden. Come to me, those who need wisdom. I will give you counsel. It stands forever and it's to your blessing. Do you need that today? We're gonna pray together as a whole church, but some of you need to pray this particularly to the Lord. This needs to be a pivotal Sunday in your life where you say, I am allowing Jesus to be my wonderful counselor for this season of my life or to heal some long-term issues that seem to govern my identity. Is that you today? I want you just to make a little gesture, not to me, but to God and say, as we pray, I need God, I need Jesus to be my wonderful counselor. Is that you? Would you just lift a hand? We're going to pray in like 10 seconds. Just say, I need God to be my wonderful counselor. Five more seconds if you want to pray with us today. You know, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, lady. Thank you. Jesus is wonderful and he's the best counselor the best path. Can we pray together? Dear God, I recognize today that this Christmas holiday that Jesus is my wonderful counselor. 
I want to sit at your feet each day so you can guide me through every decision and uprooting every fear and every hurt that might dictate my life. I trust in you to be my wonderful counselor. Amen. If you prayed that, I'd love to meet you at Connecting Point this morning. If you've decided to be a follower of Jesus and you're going to make him your wonderful counselor, we'd love for our Connecting Point team to have just a few moments with you right as we dismiss, right in the center of our lobby. But I've got one more thought for all of us today. I would bet there's someone in your life that needs a wonderful counselor. I would bet there's someone on your work team that is going through a time that is stirring up fear, tension, anger, depression, and they do not know where to go. They may have a physical counselor, but they haven't met a wonderful counselor. They may have a good group of friends. They may have a great social network giving them advice on Facebook, but Jesus and Jesus alone has the words of life. If you're here today and you know, man, I'm just thinking about this person a couple of doors down from my office, this person on my team, this person who teaches at my school, this person in my neighborhood, this particular family member. We all know someone who needs a wonderful counselor and I want to challenge you to put that person on a prayer list this Christmas. Write them down. Two, three, four names maybe. Like, God, I'm praying that these friends will meet a wonderful counselor because I'm going to tell you when you pray that God will give you an opportunity, that door will open. Opportunities come to those with their eyes open. So open your eyes in prayer. And I want to encourage you to look for an opportunity to maybe say one of these three things this Christmas season. Three little phrases that maybe you can use. Put them on a list, be praying for them, and when God gives you an open door, maybe it's simply this simple. I've been praying for you this week. Hey, I, I just want you to know, you see him at the water cooler, you see him in the lunchroom. Hey, I just want you to know, I know a little bit about what you're going through. I've been praying for you this week. I've been praying for you. Don't let it be a lie. Keep your list pray through it, and wait for an opportunity from God. Maybe it's this. I believe God has a good plan for your life. This mess you're in, this painful season you're in, I believe God has a plan to guide you through it. He's a wonderful counselor. Maybe you need to write this down. I'm going to keep praying for you. If you need anything, I'm here. And let's just see what God might do as the wonderful counselor uses us to point people to him. Look for those opportunities this week. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1-A-G-B-N to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.